Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay. want to welcome everybody to the Steve Things Matter Report. Before we begin, I must remind you, the views and opinions of this show are those of the host and guest, and do not represent any sponsors, affiliate, anybody else. Opinions. Calm down. It's okay. People are still allowed to have them. But before, also before we begin, go over to duckpond.shop and uh, check it out and see if you want t-shirt, sticker, all kinds of fun things. More artwork coming. I have uh, been working on a few things. I'm not an artist, so it's kind of hard for me to take something and push it out, but we're getting there. My guest tonight is Pat, oh God, Pat Milicek. There, I almost, right? Did I say that right? Milicic. Milicic, sorry. That's all right, that's all right. Don't come over and kick my ass, okay? Because that'd be bad. Uh, <laughs> UFC Hall of Famer, host of the Conspiracy Forum, uh, busy guy, right? I mean, what am I missing? I feel like I'm missing. There should be another thing in there. Well, I, I I also call fights for UFC Fight Pass, the LFA on UFC Fight Pass. Of course, we're not doing any shows right now, but we plan on. I from from word is that probably start back up in uh, mid June. Probably sounds like we're going to be doing it in some sort of uh, uh, soundstage and um, with, without the crowd and all that sort of stuff to start and then you know gradually work our way back into it. But nonetheless, I'll be working again as far as calling fights, which I love to do. And I, the LFA does an amazing job putting on incredible fights. They put over 180 athletes in just three short years. Um, they've put over 100, 185 athletes directly into the UFC. So they're, they're, they're a major, the major pipeline um, along with a couple other organizations um, as a feeder to, to the UFC. So the fights are always good. The fighters are young. They're very hungry. And so we always have exciting exciting action to call, which makes my job much easier. Well, how, mu- how much different will it be being a fight? I mean, obviously, being a fight. I mean, an announcer probably doesn't matter if there's people screaming behind him or not. But being the fighter, being the guy in the, the octagon, how much difference will that make? Uh, there, there's a lot of difference to it, you know, of course. So, um, I, I mean, I've, I've had some good fights in and out of the ring or in cage, uh, when I was, when I was quite a bit younger, when I was working security detail at nightclubs and stuff, I had to, I had to scrap quite often. And I, and I was, I was in no way, shape or form wanting to fight with these people. They were just drunk. And, um, and so it's, you know, a, a little different feeling, you know, when you, when you walk into an arena with 15, 20,000 people. And uh, and you're fighting a world class athlete across from you. There's it, it, it definitely helps. As I say, it has to be different though, especially as you progress through the levels, going from a couple thousand to probably what twenty five, thirty thousand watching you. Yeah, and you know, and you know, being in Japan also back in the heyday of the, you know, the the uh, Pride Fighting Championship and and rings organization and stuff like that. You know the the. And K1, my God, they, they would fill the Saitama Super Arena with 80,000 fans, the Tokyo Dome with 80,000 fans. And it's just, it's incredible. You've got a, a Super Bowl sized crowd to watch a fight, and it's, there's just nothing like that. Yeah, it has to be remarkable being in front of that many. I can't imagine just being in front of that many people, let alone trying to perform and then fight and try to keep it all together. That's got to be yeah, such well, an adrenaline filled thing. Oh, it is. It is. And that's a humbling experience because. You know, look, um, uh, Khabib is the only one right now that's truly top world class that is still undefeated for the most part. There's a few other guys that are, um, you know, not champs, but you, you just don't go undefeated generally in the sport of mixed martial arts. So it can be a it can be a very humbling experience when you get your ass handed to you in front of a large crowd. Also, so take me back. I mean, you you mentioned being fighting, just fighting. How did that transition into a career path for you? Well, you know, I started I started fighting just um, because I still felt, you know, the need to compete. Um, I had to leave college early to take care of my ailing mother. She had heart problems, so um, you know, I started doing it just because I was I was I was a little bummed out to be honest with you that I wasn't able to pursue, um, you know, an education, and and it probably wasn't even cut out for me. It wasn't intended for me. That's the way it worked out. And, 
um, I'm okay with that. But, uh, you know, out of necessity, I was pouring concrete during the day and then bouncing and bartending at two different uh, bars at night. And then in between, I was uh, decided I'd start training for fights. And how I got into it was pretty interesting. I owe this guy a lot um, because he said to me, he was basically my boss, one of my bosses at the concrete company I was working for. And we were out on the job site, and he was talking about being a, a black belt in karate and telling me that that uh, karate man could beat a wrestler any day. And I go, you're from you're from Kentucky. Uh, you apparently haven't haven't scrapped with any Iowa wrestlers before. And uh, so you know, at lunchtime we went out and um, you know got after it. And uh, after after it got done, he's like, here, there's a three week slip for lessons at the kickboxing and karate place in town so i i said all right i'll take you up on that so i went over there and i was doing three lessons and it was you know high block low block punch you know all this you know kind of corny stuff running katas and, and I, I was i was like you know on on friday when i got there i'm like i'm gonna finish this one and i'm done this is this is complete garbage i i this is worthless and uh so anyway after I got done with that lesson, I was, I was ready to leave. But then I noticed in the big room that where the regular classes were going on, it was a bunch of black belts in there knocking the hell out of each other. So I walked in and I said, can I watch? He's like, yeah, sure. So I sat against the wall and I watched and, and these guys, there's some pretty, pretty, pretty damn tough guys in there. And they were, they were not holding back. They were beating the hell out of each other. And I went, all right, this is, this is why I came. You wasted my time for a week, but this is why I'm here. Right. And, uh, so Anyway, that's that's how it got started um, in the martial arts world. But I, I already had the wrestling and a little bit of boxing, and uh, so started fighting uh, tough man contests, uh, amateur kickboxing matches, and then turned pro in kickboxing. And then the UFC came out in '93, and I watched the first UFC and went, "All right, that's that's my sport. They just invented it. This is beautiful." So I I started fighting in mixed martial arts, and it went from there, right? Yeah, as I was saying, it kind of took off for you. And then... Well, yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead. As I say, I mean, obviously it took off for you because you did it for a number of years. I don't want to say how long, I guess. Obviously, if anybody's out there doing math, they can figure it out. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, once you're in that, what's 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 your... I mean, how? talk me through like a typical... I don't want to say, what, a month? How often do you fight and how often are you training? Give me, like, at at your peak, what was like a week like or a month like for you? Um, you know, to be honest with you, you know, a guy like Jeremy Horn, who trained with me for a long time, he would, you know, he would go to a fight in Minnesota on Friday night and fight and then drive down to Iowa because it wasn't sanctioned, um, you know, near as much back then. So they didn't keep track. Athletic commissions didn't communicate. Your records weren't online, all that sort of stuff. So Jeremy would fight on a Friday night in Minnesota and drive back to Iowa on a Saturday and fight again, you know. So... You know, that's, we, it was, just, that's, that's the way it was, you know, back then you could, you could get away with that. And Jeremy's got, I got a couple hundred fights on his record professionally as a mixed martial artist, you know, where I only have like 45 or something like that. But, um, but so that, that, that's kind of how it was, you know, and there's guys like Travis Fulton that has, I don't know, 350 fights. He, he'd fight constantly. That's, he didn't even train. He just fought. He fought so much. I, I almost dropped the Lick Flair Lou on you when we start, started the show, and now I'm kind of seeing this. Maybe I wasn't too far off, right? Because they I mean, beat the <laughs> hell out of them, so, I mean, like every night, right? Back in the day. Yeah, well, I mean, we trained hard, though. We did. We trained hard. We trained intensely. Um, we didn't, you know, we did hard sparring one time a week on Wednesdays, but we, you know, Mondays would be sparring with takedowns uh, type stuff. Um Tuesday would a lot of times be just grappling or we'd work takedowns into grappling. Wednesdays was uh, just stand-up, all stand-up kickboxing and boxing stuff. Um, Thursday was back to wrestling and grappling usually. Friday, we'd, uh, we'd usually, um, you know, train in the mornings and, and take Friday night kind of off. Guys wouldn't train real hard on Fridays. And then Saturday, come in and do light sparring and technique and, and grappling and things like that. And then Sundays was a day off. So uh, we, we, we wrestled hard. We sparred hard when we did it. And we did strength and conditioning stuff in the morning along with technique. So um, it was it was uh, all, all in or all out. So what's the, I mean, 
obviously you're still around it. So what's the biggest misconception for the public right now? Obviously, I mean, be, when things are normal, I guess. It, well, that I it's, think, it, know, it's game, a good life, I guess, right? Maybe that'd probably be it. Well, look, look, it's, it's an unforgiving sport, number one. I mean, um, when you lose at basketball or baseball, um, you don't go to the hospital. So people have to understand that, you know, I've seen and been at numerous shows like, you know, the UFC where, you know, guys at that level are playing for keeps. Um, these are, these are very skilled, very highly conditioned, um, combatants and they're the best in the world at what they do. And, uh, you know, there would be a card where, you know, you can't tell from, from sitting on your couch at home, but every guy on the card ends up in the hospital that night, you know, either getting stitches, you know, a broken cheekbone, a, broken jaw, broken arms, broken ribs, um, you know, that sort of stuff. And just some getting, you know, concussions, things like that. So, um, that's not every show of course. Um, but I've seen shows like that where, where people are getting, people are getting wrecked. So it's, uh, it's an unforgiving sport and, and people have to understand that, you know, for the vast majority, especially at the top level, you know, most of the guys are, are very well-spoken, very well-educated. A lot of them have wrestled, you know, in college. So they have college educations, things like that. Um, I mean, I've had guys who were uh, orthopedic surgeons, a uh, guy that was an engineer for the Department of Defense, you know, a lot of different types of guys like this. So this is a, it's definitely a thinking man's sport. You've got it. You've got to have a, a pretty high-functioning brain to be good at it for the most part, unless you're just an absolute genetic freak and can just crush everybody. But that's that's usually not the case. You've got to you've got to be kind of a mix of of having a little bit of brains and and uh, and some, uh, of course some athletic ability and a hell of a lot of work ethic. So I, obviously you have to have a great passion for it. But where do, where does the the financial upside come from? This is that from the actual fighters or from selling. Uh, t-shirts and whatever else you can get your get out there well you know, i mean my motivation for it was yes I, I wanted to compete still i wanted to make money but i also had a had a long-term goal of opening uh, a chain of schools with my name on it and you know we did that you know just affiliate schools basically and uh people the instructors and the owners would come to me and we'd have big trainings at the gym uh for a week they'd have to come for and and just go through all the classes, all the basic classes, all the basic adult classes, and then they had to they had to train with the fight team. And some of them, of course, didn't last, um, you know, because it was very intense training. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, but some of them did. And you know, I even had a guy that was a, uh, an affiliate, and I don't I don't have the affiliate schools anymore, and I don't even um, train fighters anymore. I haven't for some time. I retired from that, but um, I had a guy uh, come to me who ran a school out in New York. And he said, I can't possibly ask my students to do what you're telling me to do. Uh, and he goes in the basic classes, what you make your basic students do. I can't ask my people to do that. I said, why is that? He said, it's too hard. I said, what's too hard. He goes, it's too exhausting. There's too, it's too physically rigorous. And I said, listen, um, people, People don't have to get the hell beat out of them like you're getting beat up in the pro class. That isn't for everyone, okay? And that's not for you, but it's for you to understand the level of intensity that can be attained by training with these people, okay? And the level of intensity that is needed to be successful and be the best in the world at what it is you're doing. So I want you to understand that first. Second of all, most people have jobs. They have careers. Uh, we're not going to do that to kids, but... Everybody can learn how to take care of themselves and defend themselves and get in great shape and have a lot of mental, physical, and spiritual benefits from doing this without getting their head kicked off, okay? So understand that, too. Um, so when you go back and you teach them, you have them do the exact stuff you're learning here, uh, all the endurance drills, everything that we're doing, and tell them, if you get tired, go ahead and get a drink or take a breath. I'm not going to scream at you. And make them understand that, um, you know, this is about them going at their own pace. That's a beautiful thing about, about martial arts. And, uh, he goes, okay, you know, I'll trust you. But he was, he was like, man, this, I can't do this. He calls me up like a week later and goes, you're right. They love me now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, good, because people don't know what they're capable of many times. They're very unsure of themselves. That's why they're there to begin with. Um, and they're not sure what they're capable of until someone they look up to tells them that they can. 
and that's kind of a human condition with a lot of people, uh, that they, they don't believe enough in themselves and, and have never experienced that level of exhaustion before and push through the wall a little bit and then come back and done, done it again day after day after day until they go, wow, I'm a different person. Mentally, physically, and spiritually, I am. So, you know, that's, that's really what it's all about. Pat, you said something really interesting. I want to. I want to kind of get back to that because kind of you kind of glossed over it. But I think it's something that I'm really. Int- well, there's a lot of things I'm really interested in when it comes to you. But this part right here just hits me right now. You opened a string of gyms that that kind of had your name on it. But that that seems. I mean, when you're in the moment, right? When you're competing. I mean, I, I read so often about NFL players who don't get the big picture of life, and you know, get out of the league in five years and don't have anything to show for it except you know. A stack of debt because they spent more money than they made. Right. <laughs> so, how, how did you come to this understanding that you needed to prepare for the next phase of your life? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, it was just um, I had been an instructor underneath uh, my karate and kickboxing coach, my original uh, instructor, and then I ran one of his gyms for him, and I was doing quite well at it. I was putting out a lot of really good students, and I was I was. I was signing up a lot of people and uh, so much so that, that he actually wanted to and ended up cutting me back on my, on my percentage off sales uh, because I was making so much money. And, you know, I said, that doesn't make sense. You're taking away my incentive. So why would you take away my incentive? That's buying new Mercedes Benzes and a new house. And, you know, he didn't understand the incentive thing was what made me work so hard. Right. And I'm a, I, I'm a self-driven person too. So, you know, having gotten that experience underneath him, when I opened my own place, you know, um, I realized that, you know, residual income is really important in life, you know, instead of getting up every morning and, and doing the nine to five, figure out a way that you can make money when you're sleeping. And that's, that's kind of what I, what I envisioned in that, you know, that, you know, there was a lot of different ways to, uh, to bring in money off an affiliate school, whether it be clothing, whether it be uh, memberships, whether it be, uh, you know, training, seminar um, fees and, and all that sort of stuff. And it just, it made sense because that's what I'd gotten really good at. And uh, that's, that's kind of the direction that I decided that I, that I wanted to take it at so, that time anyway. So bridge the gap here for me. So we're training and winding down with the end of the career fighting. How do you get from there to where you are now announcing and doing all that stuff? Because announcing uh, hasn't, you know, hasn't entered this picture yet, like the media. Right. Has. Well, you know, I was obviously, um, for the most part, pretty much done with my career, and um, I was also I, I had a law enforcement, law enforcement and training company. I had been doing that for a long time, and um, I was sitting in Chicago Air O'Hare Airport, and I was at a point where. Um, you know, Dana White and I didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, and I had kind of uh, suffered under the under the wrath of the of the the UFCs uh, getting on their bad side. You know, from a from an incident between Tito Ortiz and Lee Murray that um, Tito lied to Dana about it and what what had happened, and I was a witness to it, and and so Dana and I didn't see eye to eye, and several other things happened along the way, and I was I was just kind of a little down and out about it, and. Uh, I got a phone call while I was sitting in the airport waiting for my connection. And it was, I never answered my phone. Usually uh, if I didn't, if your name wasn't in my phone book or you didn't tell me you were calling and this was your number, I generally wouldn't answer. I just, I just, you know, I didn't know who was on the other line and didn't, didn't necessarily want to talk to a stranger. Um, so, but it was a, a, a Las Vegas area code. And I thought, Hmm, interesting. All right, I'll answer it. Cause I honestly, I thought it might be Dana White. So I answered and it was actually the executive producer of Showtime Sports, David Dinkins, and who's a great guy and, and runs a very tight ship over there. And so I, I, uh, he said, Pat, this is David Dinkins from Showtime Sports, executive producer of Showtime Sports. And he goes, we've got a situation where Frank Shamrock is fighting uh, Nate Diaz, and Frank is normally our color commentator. Um, a couple couple of guys that work here said they'd worked with you one other time down at on uh, the Sunshine Network in Florida on a smaller show, and recommended you. and And so I'm calling to see if you maybe want to call that that night of fights on Showtime Sports with with Moro Ronaldo, and uh, and I believe Stephen Quadros also. And I said, Yeah, 
hell yeah, I can do that. You know, I can, I can, I, I think I can do that. So he said, all right, great. Um, well, well, uh, do you have an agent? I said, actually I do. Um, he said, all right, so, uh, we're going to send you an email. Give me your email real quick. We'll send you an email and then, uh, put, put us in touch with your agent and, and we'll start talking to him before the show. And so we can get that figured out. And I said, okay, yeah, sure. So anyway, <laughs> he, uh, my agent, um, gets on the phone with, with, uh, the folks over at, at uh, Showtime and then, uh, to negotiate with them. And he gets off the phone and he goes, all right, this is what they're offering. Yeah. What do you want me to counter with? And I said, what, what number did you just say? And he goes, this is what they're offering for this show. And I said, no, don't negotiate with them. My God, that's, that's a lot of money to, to sit in a chair and uh, talk into a microphone. That's ridiculous. Okay, good. Yeah, let's do it. And so I did it. I did the show. And apparently I did good enough where David Dinkins, after the show, walked up to me in the tunnel underneath the, the arena and said, you know what? Um, you're actually pretty good at this. Would you like to stay on with us? And I said, instantly, absolutely. I'd love to. And so that parlayed into then... Uh, be, because I was, it was a non-exclusive deal. They were nice enough to do that for me. I was able to, on weeks off, do ESPN also. And then on weeks off from both of those, I was allowed to do Access TV, Mark Cuban's Access TV fight. So I was working for three networks at one time. And it was, it was pretty incredible experience. But I got, I got so busy, um, I got so busy with all of that stuff that, yeah, I had to, I had to walk away from the, uh, the coaching and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, no, it was great. I learned, I learned so much, uh, working with those, with those networks. And now I'm with, of course, UFC fight pass and, um, great people. A lot of the people that were with me at the previous network, um, are still with us now. So it's, it's great, you know, and I'm looking forward to getting back on the road and seeing those guys. So one more UFC based question, maybe I can't promise, but okay. I, I, pro- I, pro- I know this is the last script that one I at least have. I don't get okay. hall of fa- I don't get hall of famers on this program often. What's that like? I mean, I know it's it's pretty cool, but what's what's that mean to you? Uh, being in the hall of fame means you're old, brother. <laughs> it, means, it means you're a little older. You're a little older, and not quite as tough as you used to be. But that's all right. You know, that's a different chapter of life. But no, it's I'm honored. I'm honored, and you know, I was I was inducted into the Dan Gable National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, before the UFC and, and Dan Gable being my uh, childhood idol, um, a guy I read all of his books, watched all the documentaries on him. And uh, so to sit at a table with him and have dinner and, and be inducted into that Hall of Fame was, was truly, I mean, it was a really amazing experience for me. It, uh, I certainly, um, going into it, didn't foresee um, holding conversations with Dan Gable and, and uh, being in the UFC Hall of Fame and all that too. Okay, so where in life did you pick up kind of my path, the, the conspiracy, the podcast route? Where did that all come from? Well, I think my experience as a young child, uh, my, my um, grandparents on both sides had farms, and and uh, and that's not necessarily why the name is what it is, but the, the farm collapse happened after Nixon took us off the gold standard, put us on the petrodollar. And, uh, you know, for, for those that don't know history back then in 1971, Richard Nixon, um, took us off the gold standard and then did a, did a deal with the Saudis where the Saudis, um, would accept only American dollars for their, uh, for their oil in return. We would use our military might to protect Saudi Arabian oil fields. And so that, that marriage from hell. Uh, began and the farm collapse happened not long after that and then a run on the banks happened and my grandma and my mom got me up early and we went it was still dark out and we stood in line at the farmers national bank in downtown albia iowa um because well every farm family from that region and everywhere else around the midwest were standing in line at the same at, at their small town banks to get their cash out um because there was a, a you know the farming crisis and so uh, we were one of the first ones in line. My grandmother got ninety, like ninety thousand dollars out of that bank in 1971, and um, of course there was a bank collapse because of all that and everything else. So it was a, it was a something that stuck stuck in my brain. And I was I was a kid that watched Walter Cronkite as a kid. I'd sit on the living room floor and watch Walter Cronkite to see what was going on in the world. It was something that 
that stuck with me. But more than anything else, I think <clears throat> being a professional fighter, you have to game plan for who you're fighting. Technically, they're the enemy that night. Uh, although most of us actually liked each other a lot and got along that night, you know, you had to had to be all business, and so you had to analyze your opponent. Uh, you had to uh, pick out their strengths and weaknesses, and and really study that that individual. But you also had to be honest with yourself and game plan for them. If you if you were being honest about your own skill set. Where are the weak points in your own game that, depending on your opponent's skill set, where do they think they can most easily beat you? So um, thinking like, I would say, um, thinking like a criminal um, in terms of, you know, like like a detective has to think like a criminal and, you know, a murderer or, or, uh, you know, whatever. You have to take on that mindset and you have to analyze your enemy. And so for me... You know, when I'd watch the news, and after years of training law enforcement and military and stuff like that, um, I'd gotten pretty wise to the conversations and things that we'd have that what we were seeing in the news was not not the truth. And so I really started to finally start doing some true investigating and, and finding out for myself that, in fact, the gentlemen that I was talking to um, at different times uh, were 100, 100% correct and that many, many things that were being told um, on the on the mainstream media, it's just simply, it's just not true. And, um, it's very unfortunate, you know, and, and it's more so now after the national defense authorization act was passed along with the Patriot act, which was its predecessor, uh, but the national defense authorization act NDAA, people can look it up, legalizes, um, the media to use propaganda, meaning don't tell the truth and it legalizes it. So that just, that just unlocked, uh, Pandora's box on just a complete shit show for the citizens uh, of this country being misinformed, disinformed, and um, you know, along with the propaganda, you know, you can be detained indefinitely by your government um, without any due process, and in fact, you can be killed <laughs> um, by drone strike or whatever they deem necessary uh, without any any type of uh, court case or anything like that. So. You know, people people need to wake up in this country a little bit and understand that what they're seeing on the news is certainly not uh, not what's really going on. And many times, the politicians that say they hate each other on the TV and call each other criminals, many times are golfing together and, and drinking together and uh, hanging out with each other's families. So, uh, people Americans need to really really start waking up. It is remarkable to watch some of the I, I don't even know the nice word to say it shit that comes out of these people's mouths all the time. It's just like amazes me. Like to no end. Yeah. Like, like. Well, and, and people have asked me many times over the years to, and I've considered it to run for office, but um, you know, mainly it just comes down to not wanting to sell my soul, you know, to be honest with you. It's uh, so that's, the, that's the most troubling thing is that um, integrity is, is gone for the most part of politics. Well, I, I don't think you. I mean, honestly, I, I've. I mean, I'm a registered independent. I guess we'll just come clean with that, right? But I don't think I could run under one of the parties' umbrellas, even though that's the way you have to do it to win. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the time. Well, yeah. I mean, you've got to be. You're, you're going to get. You're, you're. You're. When they. When they give you money in a wink, you know your job, and you're going to. You're going to toe the line for those companies, and and you know the. I can't remember what general it was, where. You know, we talked about originally the conquerors. There was four phases of, of the most powerful people in the world. And, um, it was the the conquerors were first, and then second, the most powerful people in the world were were the religious leaders of the of the major religions, and uh, and then you went to just straight military might. That that was the generals were you know the the, the strongest leaders basically, and now. Um, it is the CEOs of massive multinational corporations that are the most powerful people in the world. And uh, now that we've gotten to this point, you know, we're in a situation where China owns, China corporations own massive amounts of, of United States corporations within, you know, the media, um, entertainment, energy sector, with food, food production and, uh, and distribution. And they basically, you know, China owns so much that... Uh, and, and they also own so much of our uh, debt 
that we are we are really in a lot of trouble with them. And, and what we're witnessing now, you know, this is asymmetrical warfare. They, they you know, if you if you own another country, and uh, the the leader of that country decides to to make you renegotiate a deal that's going to cost you a lot, um, and you want to flex your muscle, you do it by um, some underhanded stuff and uh they don't want to blow up they don't want to blow up something that they own so they don't want to go to war with us with with rockets and bombs and uh, nuclear warheads because while well, they're wrecking the infrastructure of the united states that they already think they own okay and in many cases do so you give uh you give out a virus uh wherever it came from uh most likely a laboratory and you uh and you use the politicians that are in your pocket to demand the, and the doctors and everybody else that are in your pocket to shut down a nation and kill it without firing a single bullet. And the American people are um, unfortunately naive enough um, and haven't done research like I have for many years um, to recognize the threat. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's very troubling to me and I'm, I'm very disappointed in, in my countrymen for not, uh, for not standing up to this, uh, this, this flat out tyranny against the constitution. And um, you know, what I, what I try to point out to people is that, um, yes, people people are dying tragically. Uh, in most cases, it is the elderly, of course, who would die of a flu or pneumonia, and people with pre-existing conditions. And so, um, it's it's very contagious, but it has a very low lethality. I mean, the 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 numbers on it that are going to end up coming out are it's going to shock America that you know we we assisted in the attempted suicide of our, or murder of our, our our country. We we gave them the knife. Um, to do it, and so that's the thing is um, Americans Americans need to wake up pretty quick here and uh, or and right the ship, or we're going to have a lot of trouble. Yeah, I, I don't know where the the end of this impact lies. I mean, a Germantown runner in the chat room is asking me to ask you about the lasting import in, uh, impact on this in, of sports. I mean, how long can we sustain having sports without crowds? How you know, like. What, what's where does this all end? Or how does it come well, back to quote unquote I'm, normal? I'm guessing if they cancel the college and professional football seasons, uh, they're going to create an army of millions of angry, drunk Southern men that are going to say, "Nope, this isn't happening," and they're going to start marching and, and dragging governors out into the street. So I would I would guess that uh, that uh, they'll, they'll hopefully not do that, but. Uh, you know, we don't we don't know where this ends. Right now, you know, Jim, we're moving massive amounts of equipment uh, over to the South China Sea. You know, the people that um, have been paying attention know the term um, "one belt, one road," and that is China uh, attempt dominance of, of basically building a pathway across the globe of of them controlling the the trade sector. And um, if they do that, it's game over. So. That's the that's the scariest part of it because in the South China Sea they built islands for military bases uh, in the South China Sea and just claimed that water and uh, say it's it's uh, Chinese Chinese land and um, and they just keep going further and further they you know they're taking entire ports from nations uh, in return for debt or part of a payment on a debt from from a nation you know uh, they're they're really. Uh, ruthlessly going about this and, and the way that they did all of this stuff in terms of purchasing American and European companies uh, was just printing uh, trillions of, of yuan and and buying them. And, you know, that's that's how they did all of this. So if Trump is who he said he is, um, we're looking at a couple different scenarios. You know, we've got... Um, and I'm sorry if going off on a tangent off the sports thing, but but it kind of ties into this because if Trump is who he said he was, then then you know we're looking at a couple different potential scenarios. In my head, is you know Trump's going to say you know foreign foreign entities have to divest themselves of of ownership of American corporations and land and all this other stuff, um, which could easily, of course, result in a massive uh, global conflict. Um, I think that our military is over there now in the South China Sea. We're flying tons of bombers. Um, over the top of, of contested waters. Uh, the Chinese Navy has chased some of our ships out of contested waters already. So things are starting to get pretty hot um, over there. And I think it's a, it's a Willie Blink type situation, which is very, very scary. 
Um, if Trump is not who he said he was, um, the alternative isn't, isn't very good, obviously, for the American people. And, and we would only have one option, and it wouldn't be a peaceful one. Um, and that would be just complete living on your knees, uh, digital surveillance, um, social point system. If you jaywalk or get a speeding ticket or this or that, like they perfected in China, um, you can't get on planes. You can't use mass transit. You can't buy things. You can't buy a house. You can't do all kinds of stuff. Um, so, so they do things a little differently. So this is uh, welcome to socialism um, 101. Yeah, it's just it's remarkable to me how. And then you mentioned the propaganda, and then I look at it like, well, okay, Pat, I'll tell you. The first time I heard fat, fake news, I thought I was fucked, right? Because you know the big corporate media controls everything, right? So right, right. They they squash the guy who you know who they already are squashing because of the billions of dollars they can control everything, anyways. But if they you know Google wants to wipe my podcast off the face of the earth, they don't they even have to do anything to my website, they can just make me not findable, right? I mean, it doesn't take much. Yeah. Especially right, right. when my marketing budget is, what's the price of a stamp? Anyways, uh, <laughs> right? So it doesn't right, take much right. to make me disappear. And then I kind of, yeah. you know, we sorted through that, and now, now I'm not sure where that hole lies, right? I just keep showing up and doing my show because I think I, I need to get some message out there, but I, I don't know where this whole narrative lies now. Yeah, well, you know, let's let's pray a lot about it um, and stay alert, pay attention. Um, you know, we could be all we could all be deplatformed um, pretty soon. We could be tomorrow, for all we know. Um, we could end up and we could wake up and we're in a military conflict with China tomorrow. Um, we could wake up and you know, five uh, G uh, is monitoring everybody. You know, and and uh, they're starting a social point system and announce it. We don't know. Um, you know, so, so that's the thing. So American people need to really wake up, stand up. And if everybody just didn't partake, if anybody, if the entire country just did not partake and, and the fear-based conditioning, we must shake that off. And they, they're trying to isolate us and scare us. And so if everybody all at one time just decided to open their businesses and not listen to them, and if everybody did not uh, conform to a social point system and say, no, you know what? We're not doing it. You can, you can kiss my ass. You can absolutely kiss my ass. And we're all going to march and uh, we're going to remove all the politicians that put this in place and we're going to replace them. Uh, because that is our duty when our rights are taken from us. Uh, the Constitution not only says it's our right, it demands that we do it. And that's where Americans are, are really missing the ball here. Um, that, that the Constitution, you can't, they are uh, wiping their asses with it. And so, you know, Americans need to need to wake up, band together. And there's just too many of us. There's too many of us for them to stop us. And and if we all stood up, the military is not going to put us down. The cops are not going to put us down. Um, you know, there might be a few guys that, you know, follow orders or whatever, but that's going to turn into a, a shit show for them. Um, so, you know, we, we've, we've all got to stand up. Yeah, I, I, it just baffles me at times. Like I said, I, I so another little thing I did. Boy, it sounds like I'm tapping myself on the back tonight. I'm not really not, but it just became. I had a friend of mine who said, "Hey, see this coronavirus? This was early. I think this was like the fifth or sixth of March." He says, "Hey, you see that coronavirus story?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "You know, you should probably do something with that." And I'm like, "What do you mean, do something with that?" He's like, I don't know, built, because I had just built a news gathering headline site that I could just go and open up and I could see Fox and see, you know, like I, just for me, well, it's out there, it's, it's on the interwebs for everybody to see, but I just kind of built it for me so I could just go there and see, you know, the, the, the disparage, the, the gap in the headlines. And he says, maybe you should do right. that for the virus and just go get a whole bunch, you know, from Al Jazeera and all these sites around the world, just put them all in there, just, just in case this thing takes off. Yeah. Right, and I'm like, okay. So I got it all together in a couple of days, and then like a week later, like Pennsylvania closed their schools, and I'm like, oh my god! Like you know, I'm like, I just really just came up for air from finishing this project and realized how big this was, you know, how big the story this actually was going to be. And I'm sitting there like every day, you know, you just read these different stories, and you're like, and then I went back to the other site, and I'm like, scrolling through there, like all the other news in the world just stopped. Like yeah, yeah. Everything just stopped yeah. except for virus stories. I'm like, what, what's what, what's what are we missing? 
Well, I mean, um, look, this is, this is again, fear-based conditioning. This is um, get us all in our houses, divide us, make us look at each other, uh, make people start ratting each other out um, for opening their businesses when they shouldn't have, supposedly. Uh, you know, you've got hairdressers that own salons that are ratting out other ones, um, you know, stuff like that. So um, it turns the people on against each other. Uh, it divided us. We got so used to being divided over, you know, the media attempting to divide us over race, religion, you know, sex, sexual orientation. It was just, that was all conditioning, fear-based conditioning. And it was just ultimately the second stage for um, everybody conforming, everybody going along with it, right? And uh, everybody, you know, minus, you know, a small percentage of people um, have unfortunately gone along with it. And um, again, it's it's a, just a tad a tad terrifying that where you know Americans out there are worried that that apparently they're going to get this virus and die, which is a, you have a slight chance of that again if you have a pre-existing condition or you're elderly. Um, but you know they'll they'll look at you like you're gonna you're gonna kill them because you're not wearing a mask. When in reality, the people that are staying home and not opening their business in mass are the ones that are going to starve their nation to death. The ones that will be responsible for murdering their nation. And so, um, again, I urge people to to absolutely and look if you're if you're elderly or have pre-existing conditions, it is absolutely your right to stay home and stay safe. That is your right. Uh, but it is not your right to tell everyone else that they have to stay home and kill their country along with you. So the Duck Pond, which is my chat room, has uh, unanimously selected you to run for office. So please report, and um, they want you to run. I don't know. I mean, I know you. We've kind of danced around it earlier, but I think you're right. Well, I mean, they, they, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm so outspoken against all all almost all politicians. I mean, I I do believe in guys like Rand Paul and a few others, but. Man, for the most part, you know, we've got a great uh, guy across the river in Illinois, um, Neil Anderson, who um, is a state senator in Illinois. He's one of the one of the few good ones, man. But um, they're just all getting paid off, and it's just it's awful. And, and you know, many of them have been compromised because of you know dirty stuff they've done, whatever it is. You know, whether it's you know having extramarital affairs or uh, corruption and everything else. And they're all they're all the 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 people have intelligence on them. They've looked, they've scoured um, all their emails. They've scoured all their uh, social media posts and, and all that sort of stuff. And they've just got them over a barrel. Um, and they're the ones that, that got them, got them the job anyway. Right. So they're just, they're slaves. They're slaves to their masters. And that's not, that's not a life that I want to lead. Um, right now, I feel like do more damage outside the loop, um, outside the of political office by, by having my show. I mean, you know, I've got, what's really nice is we've stuck with this thing for five years. And there were several times where we were, um, we were close to just saying hell with it. You know, we were, we were going to give up on it, but, uh, we're stuck with it. And, you know, we've, we've attained finally ratings that are above, you know, on, on say iTunes. Um, I'll give you a list. Jeff sent them to me. We hadn't checked in five years where we were ranked in, on anything. But people are paying attention because they know we've been right for five years. Uh, we've been proved right at least over and over and over again. So we're ranked above CNN News Briefing, the Ron Paul Liberty Report, and I, I think Ron does a great, great job. Uh, the Young Turks were ranked higher than uh, Bloomberg Business Week. And I'm not bragging about this. What I'm doing is telling people that the wave is building and people need to become more educated and a little braver. We're, we're rated higher than Laura Ingram, the Mark Levine Show, uh, the Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer, This Week with George Stephanopoulos, uh, State of the Union with Jake Tapper. Uh, these are all CNN, ABC, Fox News, uh, Brian Kilmeade on Fox News. So that's just some of them that were, were rated above on iTunes, at least. And, you know, to me, that says we're, we're over the target, and we have been for five years. And uh, it's, I, look, man, I don't want to be right about this stuff. I wish I was wrong. I wish it was complete. Uh, I wish I was talking about Bigfoot. I wish I was that happily, uh, that happy, uh, um, blissfully happy, naive human being. I wish the, the Pandora's box would have never opened up my brain sometimes. But since it is open, 
And uh, I can think like the enemy. I feel that my responsibility to my fellow citizens um, and the world, we've got listeners around the world, of course, um, to, to at least give them our version of what we found to be the truth and what we found to be something that, that is coming down the, down the pipe at Americans so that they can at least some of them be, be prepared for this. Yeah, uh, before we forget, go, give the website and where people can find you and all that fun stuff because we're going to run out of time too. Yeah, sure. People can go to theconspiracyfund.com and please support our sponsors, man. Order on there. We've got, you know, uh, meat supplies, which are running low for a lot of people now. Uh, we've got sur- survival stuff. We've got chemical-free body to clean your body and keep you keep you healthy. We've got concealed carry clothing. You know, we've got, got some good stuff on there. So by all means, go on there and... and uh, Order, 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 and help out the show and keep us keep us going. Yeah, very important to keep these shows going. And like you said, your 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 shows out there doing well. My shows out there doing well. Not quite as well as yeah. yours, but that that's fine. Um, well, I don't like to we all we all we all we all have a passion and we all have a duty and we're we're at least standing up and uh, doing our best, man. We're doing our best. But you know, the great thing is it's doing a lot better than it was, right? I mean, both. I mean, like it's you can see it now. Right before it was kind of just another little thing, but now I think podcasting in general is growing. But I think people are tired of the same old, same old thing they're hearing on the news. I hope. I hope more people are waking well, up. To it. Well, well, I think. I think what it says is Americans are tired of being lied to because they know they've been lied to. Because you know, um, how many times have, have people been uh, brought in for testimony on all these different crimes that have gone on, and not one person's been perp walked. Not one person. Not one person has gone to jail. And, you know, there's always these chances either one way or the other. And it just seems like there's always smoke, but there's never a fire anywhere. Right. Jeff, Jeff, my co-host, Jeffrey Wilson, says he calls that hope porn. He calls uh, calls all of it, you know, people saying, oh, there's, all these people are going to jail. These people c- committed treason against Trump and everything else. And um, it, those crimes, I 100% believe happened. But that doesn't mean anybody's going to go to jail. There might be a few. Uh, low-hanging fruit that get that get sentenced, but uh, it just doesn't doesn't sound likely. So, since you're not going to run, I, I've got to ask you about my former guest Jesse Ventura. Do you think a Do you think he'll run, and b What do you think of him overall? You know, um, I've been lucky enough to work with some some guys in, from that community and work out with them and train with them, and um, they, they they don't think real highly of him, um, and so. You know that community is a bunch of a bunch of alpha men who are just hardcore uh, badasses, very intelligent guys who are going to tell you how it is. Um, their again, their opinions are not are not high at all of, of Jesse Ventura. So um, I, I don't I don't think one way or another about Jesse. I don't I don't think he's a bad person. I don't think he's a good person. I don't think anything um, either way. Um, but uh, would I vote for him? Probably not. So, because who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows who to vote for anymore? I mean, um, Republican or Democrat right now, um, it seems like, look, they all voted for the stimulus that had stipulations and regulations in it that attained the Green New Deal. If you remember, the Green New Deal had um, basically no airplanes. There's not many airplanes flying right now. Um, the, the airlines were bailed out, and uh, they were... They have new they have new um, leashes on the CEOs now, and they're told they're told what to do. Um, the corporations have to meet emission standards and and go to the you know the the, the uh, green the Green New Deal said basically zero carbon society by 2030, which Agenda 30 talks about also, and at the same time Agenda 30 talks about and the Green New Deal talking about getting rid of. You know, farting cows, which they've done. Farmers have had to kill all their cows because there's nobody to process the meat. Um, killing all the pigs, same thing, um, and uh, causing a famine. And you know, at the same time, moving citizens from rural settings into urban settings so that the government can take over food production. And that's exactly what's happening right now here in this country. Just crazy. Oh, Germantown Runner says he lives free near free. He lives down in the D.C. metro, and he has not seen a jet airliner in about a month, which weirds him out. Yeah, man. There's, there's weirds me out. Yeah, too. there's there's nobody. Yeah, so you know, uh, people certainly aren't driving as much. Uh, there's no there's no semis. Um, uh, transportation companies are going bankrupt. You know, 
um, pretty soon here. Um, they're going to get bought up by, you know, Chinese and, and uh, you know, the, the folks that, that put all this stuff together in my mind. And, and uh, farms, farmers are going to go bankrupt, um, small businesses, um, a, lot of, a lot of companies can go belly up on this one man and and then all of a sudden you're 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 living in a uh, technocracy that that is ruled by the most powerful men in the world that run massive corporations that aren't even american it's crazy stuff um i just totally forgot my train of thought that's always special when you're doing this live and can't edit it um okay so as we're going through this and trying to navigate all this I'm just still trying to figure out where this all lands. For I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's just I'm just trying to. I, I don't see. I see this big divide, right? Republican versus Democrat, open versus closed, people versus profit. I mean, it's an election year, too. Right on top of right. this all, so that's right. like the icing on the cake. Well, I mean, it's, it's very possible that Trump and the, the, the elites are just going to say, yeah, suspend the election. And now we've got a now we've got a, a dictator, basically. So, you know, that's very possible. But certainly if we go to war with China, you know, that's going to happen. Um, so, you know, that's that's the thing. And, and at the same time, where this ends up is it potentially could end up. I pray not. But this ends up potentially in a situation where that old phrase of. Um, live on your knees or die on your feet actually becomes a reality for American American citizens. Um, I, I'm not real confident in the vast majority of Americans' fitness and ability to fight. Um, so, but there are millions of veterans um, and an awful lot of tier one operators who are veterans who are absolute badasses. But at the same time, many of those guys, a million um, over. That's why Trump, you know, when he made that that. Uh, that announcement that he had called up over a million veterans. If you can walk and jog and uh, still still move well, um, you, we we're bringing you back. And there's no stipulations. There's no you know get back in shape boot camp or anything like that. It's just here's a uniform that fits you. There's your gun. Time to go to work. And you don't. You know Trump made the announcement that he was bringing them up. Um, to, to deal with the situation with the virus. I, I don't believe that for a second. Um, you don't call up a million active military or, or, or retired military to, to, to play that role in a virus outbreak. You, you bring up that many people because you're preparing to deal with a nation that has 25 million men who will never get married or have children, um, you know, in China, where, you know, for years they've killed um, millions of, of female babies. Um, aborted them, whatever, and uh, and so there's uh, the the men out far outnumber the women. So what do you do with 25 extra million men? You build a hell of an army is what you do, and you know that's that's the issue. And and uh, so uh, we're we're going to be <laughs> we're, hell. They'll probably take my 50 50 uh, year old ass, uh, you know, at some point because uh, just trying to throw bodies at this thing. Who knows? But. That's that. That's the that's the potential scenario that I see by bringing up a million um, veterans that that we're never going to be back in the service again. Of course, crazy. Okay, so I haven't done this in a while, but I, I man, I don't I don't know if I want to go here or not, but I'm going to go here. I used to ask yeah. guests for their Jerry Springer final thought kind of deal, and we've kind like of been we, yeah, kind of uh, words you want to leave out there to the universe. I mean, we've kind of been also dark, but. Talking war and uh, depression. Yeah, and stuff. So I, I, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to end there. But if that's yeah, where you want, if that's where, where you want to put a bow on it, you know what I'm saying. I would just say. I would just say that you know um, that people need to stay focused on their family, stay focused on their health. Um, I'll be announcing a new sponsor that uh, adds forty percent oxygen um, to the blood, and uh, not long after you drink it, it's it's a uh, it's a mineral that comes out of plants and it uses a CO two process, so it's very very organic, very very clean, and uh, and also is a very powerful antiviral that's that's incredible. And so that might be something also that they can add to their 
to their supplement supplementation to, to stay safe. But people just have to do their best to stay positive, stay strong for their families, stay strong for their children. And, uh, and, you know, get outside a lot, get sunlight, you know, and, and exercise and, and go for walks, go for, go for runs, whatever you got to do and stay busy and start up, start a new business, do whatever, man, um, from home. And, uh, you know, that, that's really important and, and pray a lot, meditate a lot, take a deep breath, meditate, close your eyes, push out all the bad thoughts out of your brain, um, and, and meditate. And, and that, that helps refocus you and don't think based on emotion. Um, we can't think based on emotion right now. It's too important of a time in, in our nation to think based on emotion. We must be logical thinkers. That's why we must, you know, take deep breath, meditate, pray, and let, let your higher power guide you um, in a way that, you know, that makes sense um, to you and to the people around you for their safety. So two quick questions here. Uh, dream guest, sure. somebody somebody you'd like to talk to on your podcast. Somebody what? Somebody you'd like to talk to on your podcast. Oh, someone I'd like to talk to on my podcast? Yeah. Who? Well, who, who who's your dream guest? Who would be the guy that gets you excited? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I would love to talk to guys like Rand Paul. I would love to, to talk to, I would love to talk to people who are politicians, um, that, that I think are absolutely corrupt. They never will. They'll never have the guts to come on. Um, I want to talk to people that disagree with me. I want to have a debate. Um, I don't want to live. That's the thing is too many times, um, we live in an echo chamber. And so I want my show to be one where I can get in an argument with somebody, a debate with somebody, um, and and let's let's put the facts up against each other and let's let's let the listeners decide. And where can people find that show? Oh, again, www.theconspiracyfarm.com and they can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, um, YouTube for I don't know how much longer. YouTube YouTube demonetized us immediately. Um, <laughs> they weren't having any of that. Yeah. Well, anyway, say hey, Pat, thanks again. Uh, I enjoyed it. We'll, we'll stay in touch because I have some, I'm sure we'll be talking again. Yeah, thank you for your time, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And tell all your listeners, or to all your listeners, thank you for listening in, man. We, we appreciate it. And uh, spread the word and tell your fellow citizens to get educated. Thanks, Pat. And that, thank that's, you. That's Pat right there, man. That's that's good stuff tonight, right? Uh, little heavy, little um, dark forecast coming up. But I think I think we're uh, being level or approaching level with that forecast. But okay, I don't want I don't want to end the show there. I've got about two minutes left, and I, there's some things that I just needed to get out there tonight. So let's do that. Um, first thing next week, the twelfth. Uh, I can't express to you how big a show we have planned for next week. I can't. I just can't express how big the show next week is, right? I've been kind of leaking this out. Normally, I don't let the guests get out until like 8 o'clock right before the show. But I've leaked this out to a few people, and they're excited. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm just baffled. So, um, big show next week. And I don't say that lightly. And there's people, there's a few people in the chat room who have a clue what I'm talking about. And they're, they're, they're excited. I'm excited. I mean, uh, I'm excited every week for the guest, but next week, uh, it's been one. I'll tell you this. I've been trying to get one of these gentlemen for eight years. Right? Eight years. Let me say that again. Eight years. And he answered my email eight years ago, and now he answered my email again. Right? Didn't answer a lot of them in between, but they answered this one. So we're going to finally get to sit down and talk to this, this special guest. Now, now see, I said eight years, right? The show turns nine at the end of the month. Whoa. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you, the listeners? Normally, I bring you that type of special guest that last week. I don't know what that means for that show because I kind of... Uh, Went early this year with that. Uh, well, I guess it's just kind of how it worked. I mean, you don't necessarily tell this type of guest to say, I need you the next week or the week after. 
I need you when I can get you. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. Yeah, two thousand March. I mean May thirty first, two thousand eleven. The Mauer Report live for the first time. And uh, I don't know the number of tonight's show, but it's over four hundred and fifty of them later. I think it's four almost. It's four fifty something or four sixty. I don't know. Num- the podcast number doesn't mean a thing to me because the next show is the next show, and the last show is the last show. And I enjoy doing each and every one of them. So if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. If you haven't left a review, leave a review. If you haven't pushed five stars, push five stars. If you haven't told a friend, if you haven't told them by now, you're probably not going to. And I understand. You can just listen, and I'll be great. Just keep tuning them. That's all I really need. I just need to know that it means something to you. And it- Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.